Uh, Take your Bibles with me this evening. Let's turn to Psalm 128. I I intend to be brief. Um, Normally when I prepare an outline, I I usually cover eight pages of notes. I only have six tonight. So I'm hopeful to be brief. So if you listen fast enough, we might get out of here real quick. So let's all stand together, please, as we read from Psalm 128. Blessed is every one that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall man be, uh, or that thus shall ma- the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. That was a tongue twister for me. My, gla- my glasses, I can't see either. So, verse five: The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those comforting words that we just read. And uh, Lord, we, we, we live with the, with the truth and the knowledge that you, you have blessed us. And not that you will bless us, Father, but that you have blessed us. We are a blessed people. Help us tonight to, to see that. Help us to understand that we are blessed beyond measure. Thank you for all that are here tonight. I pray that you would Bless them for coming. We ask you to bless all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, here we are once again. Uh, Thanksgiving Eve. Another year has gone by. And tomorrow we will gather as families and friends and we will celebrate a day of, of thanksgiving and a day of remembrance of all the good things that the Lord has given us. One might think that this day brings joy and happiness to everyone. But there will be many tomorrow who will spend their day of thanksgiving in sorrow and in despair. They will not feel any joy. They will not find anything to be happy about. And this is primarily because of the circumstances they are facing in their life. Perhaps uh, they've lost their job. And maybe that has created severe financial difficulties for them. The economy is in terrible shape and many people have had to cut back. And and, and so many people are are, are discouraged and and, even depressed about that. Um, There may be some who are facing domestic issues. uh, Perhaps an errant child or... Or, or something such as that. There may be some who tomorrow who are facing serious health issues. There may even be some who are mourning from the recent loss of a loved one. <laughs> so tomorrow, there may be many reasons for some people not to be happy, not to feel joy. But we must remember, <coughs> whatever the circumstances we may face... We must remember that we have been admonished to remember the Lord and to rejoice for the blessings we have in him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, we're reminded by Paul, in everything, (coughs) give thanks. 
He said, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. And certainly it's easy to give thanks when things are going well, but when things are not going well, we still should be thankful unto the Lord. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, we read, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We're going to give him a free ride, John. How's that? So, so we're admonished. Uh, you know, when things don't go well, I think about Brother Jorge here on, on his job. You know, certainly, I'm sure people there know that he's a, he's a Bible-believing man, a Christian in church. But, you know, sometimes the world does things just to needle us, just to pick at us and, and things like that. But even in times like that, Jesus said, rejoice and be exceeding glad. In 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, read, we read from verses 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And we see here that we are admonished by scripture to rejoice in difficulties to rejoice in hardships to be thankful in all things in everything now we humans are a curious lot even though we may not want to admit it we are generally pessimistic people we are generally by and large negative people i say this because of the way that we view our lives. How many of you here tonight are born again? Raise your hand. You say, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm born again. have no doubt. I know it. I'm saved. Well, what exactly does that mean then? What exactly does being born again mean to us with regards to blessings from God? Well, it means eternal life. And with eternal life comes eternal health. Now, maybe not health in this terrestrial body, but in the celestial body I shall have eternal life and eternal health, eternal, eternal happiness, eternal blessings, and so many more things we could say. Yet, despite this, we sulk and we complain, don't we? I have an illustration here, and I have a glass, and this is two-day-old coffee, so you wouldn't want to drink it, but I have this glass. Now, some people will say, well, that glass is half full. Uh, They understand that the empty part does not take away from the filled part. However, some view this glass as half empty. They do not focus on the part that is filled. They only focus on the part 
that is empty. And this is exactly the way many Christians live their life tonight. Instead of, instead of living in, in joy over what we do have in Christ, we live in sorrow over the things that we do not have. Instead of walking in victory, we live in defeat. Instead of standing as conquerors, we cower as the vanquished. And this is because we have developed the wrong attitude. We've allowed the negativity of this world to influence our opinions as believers. Now, Paul was not a pessimist. In fact, he was an optimist. Yet his optimism was not based upon arbitrary hopes. Rather, his optimism was based upon Jesus Christ our Lord, the firm foundation. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul states, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The proper attitude is to look at the part of the glass that is full. To count your blessings. Now, we need to realize tonight, and I'm, I know we all know this, but sometimes we just need to be reminded, God owes us nothing. You need to remember that tonight. God doesn't owe you anything. And furthermore, we deserve nothing. You know, sometimes because we show up, for, we can show up for church services, and sometimes because we can tithe, and sometimes because we can do some service in the church, sometimes we walk away thinking, well, you know what, God, I deserve this. Lord, I, I deserve this blessing. I've had people actually tell me that over the years. They've come to me and they've said, you know, I, I deserve more than I'm getting. Really? You deserve more than you're getting? I, I don't think you're getting what you deserve myself. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, Isaiah says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And Isaiah understood him, that. Isaiah understood that he didn't deserve anything from the Lord, that God owed him nothing, and he wasn't worthy of anything that God would give him. Therefore, the, our attitude should be that anything we receive from God is far greater than anything we deserve. So tonight, I want to share some thoughts with you before we dismiss about counting our blessings. There's some things I want us to remember tonight. If, if throughout the year, you get to a point as a believer when you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh man, you know, things are just, I don't know, I don't know, I just, I'm not happy. 
when you get to that point, I want you, I want you to remember some things that will help you put things in perspective. So let's look at a few things. Number one, tonight, we have been passed from death unto life. I want you to remember that. We have been passed from death unto life. Now, in this life, we might experience, we, we will experience the death of the flesh. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, we read, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Uh, we're all going to die. There's no doubt about that. If we, if we are alive at the time of the rapture, then our, our flesh will be, will be consumed. We, we'll, we'll leave this body and be raptured and caught up with the Lord forever. But in truth, in reality, what, happens to, what will happen to the Christians who are alive at the rapture is exactly what happens to Christians who die now. We are passed from death unto life. We don't go to a holding cell. We don't, spend, we don't spend years in purgatory while our family tries to pray us out. We don't, we don't go to a holding cell. And we don't arrive there and the angels say, oh, please pull in, take a number, please. 55,472. That's not how it works. We're caught from death unto life. Just like at the rapture, those living immediately in the twinkling of an eye will be in the presence of the Lord. That's exactly what happens to the believers when we die on this earth. When our dear sister Frances passed away at, at, at 1040 in the morning, at 1040 in one second, she was in the presence of Christ for all eternity. We are passed from death to life. What more do you want? What more do you want? Well, I want, I want a four-bedroom house. And I want a BMW with a, with, a, with a DVD player built in. Well, shame on you. You, you, will, you will never see death. You're a pass from death unto life. I mean, what more do we want? Death is one of the commonalities of all men. However, eternal life is not. While all men are appointed to die, not all men are appointed unto life. And you have a great privilege tonight. In John chapter 5 and verse 24, we read, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. That, my friends, is a promise from Jesus Christ the Lord, and who lies not. And who does not change. The fact that I possess eternal life tonight. The truth that I am one of the elect children of God. Doesn't make my glass half full. It makes my glass overflowing. I don't have a half empty glass tonight. Oh no my glass is overflowing for I am a child of the king. I've been passed from death unto life. We become so entranced by the droning tone of the world that we have dozed off at the helm. I think it was two years ago we were driving to Louisiana and we were driving in shifts. Well, if you've ever... I'm going to put my glasses on for a second so I can see your faces. There you go. 
If you've ever driven on, on, on shifts, your best time is your first shift. After that, everything else is torment. And we were in, we were in West Texas. And Dalton, my son, was driving. My wife was sitting next to him. My daughter Erica was in the, behind my wife, and I was sitting behind my son. And I dozed off. And I'd wake up. Well, after a while, I dozed off, and all of a sudden, we heard the wheels hitting the little bumps on the side of the road that are designed to wake you up when you're falling asleep driving. My head popped up, and all of a sudden, I saw the driver's head pop up. And I said, oh, it's time that we stop here now. This has gotten serious. But you know what? In our Christian lives, we're just like that. We've gone through several shifts now, and we've, we're falling asleep. In Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, we read, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh, flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It's high time we wake, out, wake up. The constant droning of the world and its philosophies has slowly lulled God's children to sleep. And, and while asleep, our flesh has caused us to forget about the great blessings that we have. Eternal life through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. This apathetic condition causes the great truth of eternal redemption to fade from our mind. And we find ourselves in a condition of discontent, complaining, and feeling that we deserve better than we are getting. But I'm reminded of... The admonition of Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 6 through 8 where Paul states, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Let us not think more of ourselves tonight than we ought to think. Let, lest God does turn around and give us what we do deserve. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, Paul states, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Oh, my glass, my glass runs over tonight. If I, if I have nothing but heartache and torment and trouble from now until the day I, I, I leave this earth, my glass runs over because I have been passed from death unto life. I have the eternal presence of God. But then secondly tonight, I want you also in those times when you, when you come to the point where you're just not happy, you can't find joy and Life around you and the troubles and the turmoil is getting you down. I want you to remember, secondly, that we have been purged from all sin. We have been purged 
from all sin. In Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, Paul states, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. If I were to ask you to name the most destructive power on earth tonight, if I were to ask you to name the one power that man himself can devise and man himself can wield, what would that be? Anyone have an idea? What's the most powerful, most destructive thing that can be devised by man and wielded by man? Nukes. How many of you think that would be it? Nuclear weapons. That's what most would say. I, I actually tested this on my class and asked them, what's the most powerful thing man can devise on the earth? And they all said, oh, nuclear weapons. However, a nuclear bomb pales in comparison to the destruction wrought by sin. Just think for a moment. How many souls have been hurtled into hell because of sin. Now compare that to the number of people who have been killed by nuclear weapons. The ratio would probably be at least a million to one. For every one person killed by a nuclear bomb, there would probably be at least a million lives destroyed by sin. And consider that every soul that sins is condemned to hell. In Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4, we read, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, considering that every man is condemned to die, and that death's final destination is the lake of fire, as we see in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14, where we read, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If you are one of God's elect saints tonight, and you have been purged of all sin in your life, then tell me, is your glass half empty, or is it half full? Once again, our glass runs over. It's overflowing with the, with the blessings of God. And first, I'd like you all to turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let's all turn there together. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to read beginning at verse number 12. I said, because of the fact that I am a child of God and my sins have been purged, all my sins, past, present, and future, have been purged, my glass runs over with the grace of God. Look at verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. 
And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, this is a very great misstep. It is a very great misstep when we forget about this great blessing. When we forget that our sins have been purged. Peter states in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten, look at this, that he was purged from his old sins. Now what Peter's talking about there, of course, we know is the Christian virtues. To faith that virtue, to virtue grace, and so forth. And, and Peter, what Peter's talking about here is when we lack these things in our life, then we forget. We tend to forget that our sins were purged. So when we stop to count our blessings this Thanksgiving, let us remember that we don't have a half full glass, we have an overflowing glass because first of all, we have been passed from death unto life. And secondly, we have been purged from all of our sin. But then thirdly tonight, and lastly... I want you to remember this. When you start counting your blessings, remember that we have been given a purpose from the Father. Let's look, let's turn together to 2 Timothy chapter 1, if you would. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 6 through 11. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verses 6 through 11. Paul states here, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I like that. Paul says, when, we got, when, when, when God regenerated us, when he redeemed us, he didn't... He didn't He didn't redeem us so we could go forward and live a life of uncertainty, live a life of fear, live a life of of worry. He said that we've been given the spirit of power, the power of God. We've been given the spirit of love and of a sound mind, of of confidence and surety. Verse 8, Be not thou, therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us. You see that? With an holy calling. Not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I like that. He said he didn't call us and, 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 and he, didn't, he didn't call us unto, unto the work based upon our works, based upon our abilities. My goodness, let me tell you something. When the Lord called me into the ministry 30 years ago, I didn't have the ability to, 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 to stand up and do this. I, I, didn't, I didn't possess what it took. I, if anything, I was the exact opposite of this. But God has given me a purpose. 
He's equipped me. He's called me. He's, he's enabled me. He's made me to do what he wants me to do. Verse 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. Now, he hasn't abolished death for mankind. He's abolished death for you and I, his children, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. I said tonight, your glass is overflowing. I don't care how much trouble you're having. I don't care what circumstances are in your life. You, You may not have enough money. To, to, to buy a meal tomorrow. You may, not, you may not have your health. I don't care what it is. Tonight, if you are a child of God, your glass is overflowing. It is overflowing with the blessings from God. You see, we equate blessings to what? Material things. We equate God blessing us to giving us a full bank account. We equate God blessing us to giving us a job. We equate God blessing us to making our car run well, to make, to make sure, we, to make us not sick. Those that we say, well, God, God is blessing me. Well, God is always blessing you, duh. He's, he's been blessing you from the moment you were, you were born again because he, you were passed from death unto life. All your sins have been purged. And you have a purpose in the, will, in the kingdom of God given to you by God the Father himself. Of course you're blessed. Maybe not with worldly things. But we are blessed with a calling. We are blessed with the Lord. Our glass runs over. I've met many believers who wrongly think in this day that the reason God saved them is because they were so very important. There are preachers running around this country who are saying, you are more important to God than anything else. But let me remind you, this is a philosophy that leads men to view their glasses as half empty. I mean, if if I'm so important, then why isn't my glass full? If I'm so important to God, then why, why do I ever get sick? Why, why, am I, why do I ever lack for, 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 for things? If I'm that important, if I'm the most important thing to God, don't you think he would, he would constantly just shower me with everything material that I could possibly ever need? That he would, he would defend me against those that would persecute me? He would, he would, he would, he would uh, clothe me in the finest clothes and make sure I'm driving the best car. Doesn't that make sense to you? It makes sense to me that if I was that important to God, that's what he would do. The truth is, not that I am so important to God that God just had to save me. The truth is that God saved me according to his own purpose and will. My salvation isn't designed to glorify me. My salvation was designed to glorify God. I said we have been given a purpose tonight from the Father. And if that purpose is for me to suffer, then my glass is still overflowing. If God's purpose for me is to, is, is to, to show faith and strength and, and go through hardships and trials and problems, that doesn't mean my glass is half empty. My glass is still overflowing.
If that purpose is for me to show the grace and mercy of God by my sacrifice and by my trials, then my glass is always overflowing. You see, God's purpose and will is not measured by how full my glass is. God is always good. He is always perfect. His will is always perfect. Whether I have a glass half empty or half full, God's purpose is always right. And God blesses me. And my glass is always overflowing. When I count my blessings, I do not count them by what I have. I do not count them by how much I can see. Because I am always blessed. Because I'm a child of God. And because I'm a child of God, I've been passed from death unto life. I will never know death. My body will, but my spirit will never know death. All of my sins, and trust me, I had a lot of them. And you did too. And they've all been purged. Not only the ones that I did commit in the past, but the ones that I do commit in the present and the ones that I will commit in the future are all purged. Can you imagine having a credit card that you can spend and never, <laughs> never get a bill for it? Now, I'm not trying to say we should go out and send it will. You understand what I'm trying to say, though. It's all been purged. And I have a purpose. You know, before, my purpose was to please myself. My purpose was to get everything I could get. My purpose was to be happy. If I'm not happy, I don't want anybody else happy. My purpose was to, to be num numero uno. That was my purpose. But now I've been given a purpose in the kingdom of God. I've been, given a, I've been called by God. And God said, here, I don't care what you can do. I'm not interested in what you can do. This is what I'm going to have you do. And I'm going to give you the ability to do it. I tell you what. I wish this was drinkable because I... I drink it to illustrate my point. My glass, yeah, be a man, yeah. <laughs> I'd be a sick man. My glass is always full. I can drink down this glass, and as soon as I'm finished, it'll still be overflowing. I can never drink fast enough to, 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 to bring down God's blessings. It's like, it'd, be like, it'd be like trying to outdrink a fire hose. Trying to drink all the water in the fire. You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. And that's what our Christian life is like. Are you, are you having problems in your home? That, that doesn't determine the level of your glass. Are, are you having problems? You know, have you lost your job? Are you, are you tight financially? Are you sick? Have you lost someone? That doesn't determine the level in your glass. Your glass is overflowing. 
Always. Constantly. And the Lord may say, suffer a little while for me, would you? Bear a burden that I might be glorified in all these things. But my glass is always overflowing. So when I sit down to count my blessings tomorrow, I'll rejoice. And I'll be happy because my glass runneth over. Let's pray. Father, sometimes, Lord, we just lose, lose sight of what we really have. As your children, we, we, are, we are so blessed. No matter, no matter what we face in this life, none of those things, none of those things can be compared to what we have in you. And Father, I know troubles are real and I know, I know that burdens are heavy. But Holy Spirit, just help us to carry those, but never let us forget how blessed we are. Never let us forget how good God is. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you every day of our life and we'll glorify you in all that we do because God is so good and his truth endures forever. So bless us this Thanksgiving. Give everyone safety as they may travel. Help us to be mindful of you and all that we say and do over these next several days. And we ask that you would bless your people. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.